Well, good morning, everyone there at Facebook Live. We're so glad that you are joining us here. We're excited. We know we're just a couple of weeks away, and we know that the door will open soon. But in the meantime, we need to continue to move forward and believe that God still has us during this time. So be rest assured that the Lord hasn't let go of us. He still has his hand on us. He loves us. He's faithful. He's true to his word. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. So know you're almost there. Think of it as a long run, although some of you are probably just struggling to get out for just a walk. I am. I'm huffing and puffing while I'm walking right now. But if you're running and you're a runner, such as Pastor Dennis, you know that there is a line. There's the finish line that's coming. So be rest assured that God has us during this time. But this new series that we're starting on this week, this, this Sunday, is we're starting what we would call standing at the crossroads. Because as we're about to come to that finish line, we're standing at the crossroads of wondering which way to go. Have you ever felt that way when you're walking in your faith and you have a situation you know that God has placed before you and you feel like you have like four different roads to go down and you're wondering which road is going to be the right one? Well, I'm going to assure you right now that whichever it is, if you're, if you're seeking and chasing and hunting and looking to God, he will show you which road. But it's a hard decision to make. It's very challenging. In fact, it's like a test. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I recall, uh, you know, just taking tests years ago. I remember when I would try to get together with those tests and I would try to recall what I studied or didn't at time study. But what I would do is I would get together and maybe my hands would be a little sweaty and my, my, my heart would race and I'm wondering, okay, did I remember this? Did I remember this formula and that formula? And I can assure you that you feel the same way. Whenever we have to take a test, it's overwhelming. It's to the point where we don't understand. And sometimes we just say, what's the point of it? Why should I have to take a test? Can't they just give me a bunch of information? I can copy it from the book, hand it in and saying that, okay, now I can progress and advance to the next level. But see, sometimes we have to take tests because tests will detect and determine where we stand, where we are in the process. Now, can you imagine if we didn't have tests? Think about it in the medical field. If we weren't able to take tests, and supposedly that we have pain, which pain is actually a helpful thing when it comes to the medical field because where there's a pain, there's an indicator. When there's an indicator, we have to take a test to determine where we stand in our health. But what if we didn't have a test? And suppose we had a sickness. A test helps because it detects at an earlier stage of a sickness that can save our lives. So testing is actually good in the medical field. Now, how about when we're thinking about military? When each person in their ranking they have to take tests to advance to the next level. In fact, multiple tests within their level. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm thinking about the military, our men and women are out there standing and representing for the United States. I want our best of our best. And I want them to be tested. I want them to be able to prepare, to work hard, so that when the battle comes, not if, but when the battle comes, that they're prepared for a purpose. And so it's important to understand that with test taking, it prepares us to get us to the next level. So now let's go back to school. All you teachers out there who love to give tests, I think it's great. 
for us who maybe in the graduate level, we have to take multiple tests and we have to write papers. I'm not there, but I once was there. But in light of it, you have to understand that tests are tests. And so when we're going to look today is we're going to talk about next level testing. Because even with school, what if there were new tests, no tests at all? I know if there was a petition right now, students would sign and say, no more tests. I'm not taking it. They would sign it immediately. I know the parents would stop it, but the kids would be ready to sign the petition of no more tests. But tests are necessary because it prepares us. And it prepares us to get to that next level for progress. In fact, preparation is necessary for progress. So as many as you teenagers out there or college students don't want to take another test, or maybe you teachers love giving tests because you can determine where they're at, it's important for understand that next level testing is necessary for growth. Now, why am I talking about testing? Because it's important to understand as we walk into a storyline of Abraham and Isaac, we're going to be talking about one of the greatest tests Abraham ever had to face in his life. And we'll talk about that shortly. But sometimes we have to even ask some questions. And we need to decide what to do before God tests us. Because God will test us. In fact, he does often. But it will always involve this. It will involve the what ifs in our Christian walk. So as you're about to stand at the crossroads and there's a testing going on. And you have to decide, make a decision which way to go. God has placed a test before us, or each one of us, and we have to decide. But when we do, we have to understand that in everything, there's always a risk. You're always saying there's a risk. Now, there's never a risk to trust in God, but there definitely is risks. And why I mean by that is to say that risks are often to say, wow, do I really need to die to self in my walk with God? Do I have to suffer? Can I suffer by watching more of what my wife likes? Do I have to suffer for that? Maybe I'll just do that. Is that enough suffering, Lord? Or do I have to totally give up my dream? Can I have some of it, like a form of it, Lord? Do I have to give everything up? Does God really have his best interest in mind? See, these are sometimes these risks when we have to die to self. We have to take a test, and we know it's going to be hard on us. We don't want to, but guess what? When God tests us, he's going to challenge us with these risks. A risk to die to self. A risk to put someone else before you. A risk to serve others. A risk to realize that maybe it takes that. Also, here's another thing. Discomfort. I mean, discomfort. If we think about it, determining the Lord's will in decision-making, will be uncomfortable. It will be absolutely uncomfortable. But if we're waiting for it to be comfortable, if we're waiting for us to have the ultimate peace to make a decision, then sometimes we just got to believe that God's calling us to something. We can get peace from God, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And there's going to be discomfort. But we got to understand that it's part of the process. Third, Control issues. Sometimes we have control issues. Sometimes before God tests us, we have to understand that it's not always going to be perfect when we make a decision when we have a test in front of us. 
it's not going to be that we're going to have our, all of our ducks in a row before we make a decision. It's not like, okay, I've got to, before I make a decision, I've got to make sure everything, every little angle is covered so that I don't find myself out of control. Sometimes walking with God, it just requires believing him even if we don't fully understand it. We're relying on him. We're not always sure that the situation may turn out the way that we want to. But if he's called us to do it, then sometimes the ducks don't always have to be in a row. I've seen that in my own life. I'm sure you've seen it in yours. And so when we're looking at this, we must understand that to get to the next level, God has to take us and he has to stand us at these crossroads and we have to decide what to do. Because understandably so, it's challenging. It's challenging to see that. And as we look, I want you to just turn with me, turn with me just now to um, Genesis chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22. And as you do so, I just want to talk a little bit about the life of Abram. And Abram turned to Abraham, and Abraham, we understand too, is the father of many nations. And he's the one that God whom chose to be able to take. He's the one, the seed that will start, that represents all generations, from Jews to Gentiles. And as he represents, it's understandably so that he is the one whom God is preparing for the future. And as he's carrying out to have his people, the Israelites, and then carry along with Gentiles until we see to the New Testament, it's so important that we look at this. So as with Abram, Abraham, we know that in chapter 12, he called on the name of the Lord. So we would understand that he came to faith in the God of Israel. That he was by, by, by faith. He was saved by grace, but also by faith in that he trusted in God. He went from a place where he, God took him out of the Ur Chaldeals, and he was able to follow him. And then we understand, too, that he had missteps in chapter 13. And in chapter 12, he lied, and he lied about his wife, Sarai. And then in 13, he came to grips. He built an altar, he worshiped the Lord, and he confessed that he was wrong. And then in chapter 15, the Lord reveals himself, shows him the promise, and then he comes to that place where he believed and was accredited to him righteousness. And then he failed in chapter 16 to lead his wife well. So he then had, you know, to have a relationship with his servant and then had a child because she was barren. Sarai was barren. And then chapter 17, God again reveals himself, shows forth to himself the promise because of that process where he says, okay, you know what, do you get it? There's a promise here, the sign of the covenant, the circumcision, you're my guy, I'm going to bring forth to you a son that will come through Sarai. They were in question in chapter 18, even God in what we call Christophany, he came in the very presence and on, on earth, with, it was three men, and they presented themselves before Sarai and Abraham. Abraham. And see, we see this process, but why am I mentioning all of this? Because it's a process. He was going through a struggle. It wasn't as though God just tested him immediately in his faith, but that he was learning to grow one day at a time. And God presented the promise before him two or three times before he presented a test. And now here's the greatest test because now he goes a notch a little bit level, a little bit higher. And he goes to the next notch and he says, you know what? Now that you've seen my promise, now that you've committed, I'm now going to call on you to make the most ultimate sacrifice. And that is to give up your son, to just put him on an altar. And I, I don't know about you, but I think of it because I have only one son. I have three girls, but I have one son. And I can't even imagine contemplating that thought. 
But God shows forth to Abraham and says, I'm bringing a test before you. I'm standing you at the crossroads. Which decision will you make? Will you obey me or will you disobey me? And that is something that I see here. Because in chapter 17, he says, walk before me and be blameless. Well, here's the test. Here's the test. And so, understandably, there are three things that I want you to learn and what we can learn during a test. Because now here's the test. Three things that we can learn. Number one, we need to learn that we have to cooperate with God's command, not complain about it. Cooperate with God's command, not complain about it. Look with me to chapter 22. And in chapter 22, it's real simple. He comes in after these. After the storyline that I shared, he comes before God. And God says to him, I need you. I have a test. After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I should tell you. So here he was. He had a test, and he had to cooperate. He had to decide what to do. And so, see, the word test means to put someone to a test in the Hebrew, but it also means for the sake of experience. So God was testing him, not because he was trying to call him out, not because he was trying to show him that he didn't have it all together, not because he was trying to point out all his faults. Like some of us, who we think whenever someone's trying to challenge us, that they're trying to point our faults out to demean us. But God was testing him because he wanted him to have an experience to get to the next level. See, each one of us, when we're challenged with something, where we're standing before a crossroads, we think God is trying to just call us out, trying to like sit there and put us down, but he's not. He loves us. He's faithful to his word. He cares about us. He tests us because he wants us to get to the next level. And here he was taking Abraham through this test. Another thing is that he says, take your son, your only son. An indication that we know in the New Testament when God the Father sent his son, his only son. And as we know in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And here's now God saying, you need to offer a sacrifice to me that's pleasing to me. And so Abraham, what we notice that it goes on to say, whom you love. Because he had a son, Ishmael. But this son only came from Hagar. It didn't come from Sarah. And now Isaac is the promised one the one who is the apparent heir, to take the seed on forward. Ultimately, we understand today as New Testament believers as the Messiah, the seed. And so as we understand and we realize, we capture this, that that's what's happening. And so we see whom that he loves. It's because that love that God has for us is a constant it's never changing, never wavering. That he loves us even in the midst of the test. That he loves us even in the midst when it's a decision we have to make. He loves us through the good times and the bad times. He's a constant. So when you're going through this very challenging time as we have in the last 10 weeks, you got to know that God hasn't changed a bit. And he's not surprised by it because God is in control. He's the sovereign God will always be in control. And so Abraham, while he was in this test, we had to sacrifice his own son. He realized now that he was going to cooperate with God. He wasn't going to complain. And see, when you see that, 
you recognize that as you see the, the storyline goes on in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Didn't complain, just got up and went, saddled his donkey, took of his two young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood from the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So he's traveling, he gets everything prepared, and he's traveling. It says, on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then, verse 5, this is key, and Abraham said to this young man, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I got to stop here a second. Abraham didn't complain. He cooperated with God, and he called it worship. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a difficult time saying to God, okay, I'm going to worship you now and offer you my son as a burnt offering on the altar. But that was his heart. That's where he was at. Through all those episodes and events where he was struggling, lying twice, even in chapter 20, the promise brought before him three times, and now his heart is settled. I will follow God no matter what. I don't know about you, but that's what it's going to take in the 21st century to win people to Christ. We have so many distractions, social media, so many storylines, so many people looking for instantaneous gratification that we have to be the ones to take the effort, the hard effort, and knowing that God is calling us, he's testing us to step out and to believe that he's called us like he's called Abraham to be able to reach out to those who desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ through our lives. Not just simply in word, but simply in transformation in life. We are the billboards where people will see Christ through us. But it's going to take this kind of effort. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a place where you have to take a risk. It's going to be a place where you have to let go of control. But here he was getting way off of his control issues and saying, God, I'm going to worship you right now and trust you. And then he goes on to say this. And come again to you. So what he said, he's promised he's going to return. That his son will return with him. So wait a minute now. It doesn't make sense. He's about to go, offer a worship, alter his son, and now come back. So at that moment in time, I understand we know the story, but at that moment in time, what was Abraham going through? So it's, it's understandably so, because we know God sends us tests for the purpose of purifying us. We know that in the New Testament. We know it's for us to be perfected in our character. But God is also trying to protect us. And it's important for us to gather that these are the actions in which he takes. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19, it says this, by, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He was believing that even God, even the author of Hebrews saw it, that he even believed God that if Isaac were to die, he would just raise him back up. To the dead. That was the depths of his heart and trust, not just cooperating, but as he was cooperating with God, his faith continued to grow. He gained confidence in God. 
And that's what the second thing is. We need to be confident in our test and our faith. Be confident that God is in control. Be confident that in anything we go through could be worship. Be confident that when he's testing you, it's for your sake and for his. Be confident in our faith and not controlled by fear. We have been challenged for the last 10 weeks. We have been worried, fearful, feeling abandoned, isolated, in prison. Now it's like everybody's saying, forget everything now. Let's just get out of the house. Let's move on. I'm t- it's time to get out. Six, six feet distancing, yes, masks on, okay, but I just got to get out of my house. I'm going crazy. These four walls, my children, the dog, I'm about to kick the dog because the dog's getting my way now. I mean, all of that is happening. I know, I get it. And the fear and the worry and the control, now it's gotten to the point where it's saying, who cares about fear? Who cares about worry and control? I just need to get out. I get it. And see, Abraham wasn't controlled by his fear. He was, he was simply confident that God had a plan for this. Look with me, the verse 9 through 14. It says this, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. So really, pretty much what he did is he got himself ready and prepared to present this burnt offering. But burnt offering wasn't an animal, it was his son. It would be easy to just do that orderly process to present an animal and bring forth on the altar so that we pleasing to God because the altar, the burnt offering was to be pleasing. So God calls on his son and he worships the Lord and he places his child on there. So here he is, not controlled by fear. He's not afraid. I know for me, I'd be afraid. I'd run. I'd kick and scream. I'd complain and say, God, I'm not doing this. I'm running away from you. You cannot make me put my son up there. It had to be a God thing for me to do that. But I'll tell you this, he does it without complaining. He does it without being controlled by fear. He moves on. Verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Wow. And then verse 11, it says this, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Now, the angel of the Lord is known to be a Christophany, the appearance of a pre-incarnate Christ. So here is the angel of the Lord, the Lord himself speaking from heaven. And he's saying this. Abraham, Abraham, which when God speaks from heaven, he repeats the name twice. And in the Hebrew, it's understood to say that I need to get your attention right now, Abraham. Stop. And he stops. And he said, here I am, Lord. He's like backing up, ready to go. Here I am, Lord. What? Huh? What? Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy. Boy, thank you, Lord, because I was just about to say, is this really worship? Or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Not, not, not that God needed to know an exhaustive foreknowledge he knew already, but that he had to show Abraham where he was. He was testing him to show him to determine where his heart was. This is an example. This is where in the testing you can say, your heart's good. You're trusting me. You're showing reverence to me. You'll choose me before anything else. That you fear me, not because you're only afraid of me, but because you honor me. You bring me honor and glory in everything you do. See, he was not afraid to do that. That was what his heart was. After all of those years, he finally said, I choose the Lord. Now, God's going to take us through testings. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to be challenged. We're not perfect. We understand we're imperfect people, but God wants to get a hold of our hearts. And he's saying, I want to challenge you to get to the next level. 
And so it's important for us to see that that's where confidence builds when we see God's hand in our lives. I can assure you that his confidence level went from a 7 or 8 up to about 20 out of 10 because he was way over and above to know that God protected him and built up his character through this whole episode. And then it goes on to say this. Now, we got to catch this. Seeing you have not withheld your son. So he starts by saying, take your son in verse 2. Now in verse 12, he says, we've done the test. You've passed with flying colors because you didn't withhold your son, your only son, the one whom you love from me. We saw it in Hannah. We see it in Abraham, the dedication, the commitment. And then he goes on to say this. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket of his, th- of his horns. Let's just stop here because there's some words here that you got to see. You got to see the word looked and saw. Meaning now he recognized that God was still going to provide. There was a burnt offering that had to be made. There had to be a substitutionary atonement to please God. God was demanding a burnt offering. It wasn't as though he removed Isaac. He demanded something else. And here he looked and he saw, and it says he provided the lamb. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the, of the son of God? God the father providing the son, the substitutionary atonement, the beautiful, perfect sacrifice for you and I. The death, the demand that he was demanding was, was definitely pleased now. And appeased. And now here God provides a ram. And as he he provides a ram, here's a key word here you may not even look at. Instead of. That's actually a word that we see upar even in the New Testament, which is saying the substitutionary atonement. So see, we see the picture of Jesus Christ even in this story. It's a beautiful picture. Because when it says in verse 14, so Abraham called on the name of that place, and he called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Actually, in the Hebrew, it doesn't use the word provide. It means the Lord will see. So the Lord sees, meaning we will use an expression as the Lord will see to it. He'll take care of it. He provides. So in the midst of your testing, in the midst when you're faced with which way to go, in the midst of standing at the crossroads, God will provide whatever you need to take that risk, to make sure that even in discomfort, to make sure that if you have a control issue, God will provide it. He'll take care of it. He'll make sure. He'll make a way. He'll see to it. That's the whole idea of Jehovah Jireh. So if you're struggling financially right now, God will see to it. I can attest of it. I know many of you can, that when you saw your money and how astronomically in debt you were, and you're like, God, how are you going to get out of this one? Joy and I have seen that, and God had delivered. He said, I will see to it, and he took care of it. I can testify of how God was faithful and continues to be, because he's faithful to his name. It's not about me. I'm just a representative of the king. He decided to consider me. And that's why God will see to it. So when you're standing at the crossroads and you're wondering, is he going to be there? Yes, he will. And now we have to say, yes, I will. I will follow the Lord. That's what it's going to take. That's the passion that we got to have. Because ultimately, this is what he said in Genesis 15, 6. When he believed the Lord, it was accounted to him as righteousness. Not our righteousness. Righteousness. 
It's not about us. The righteousness that was placed in his count was God's righteousness. Do you know when you trust in Christ, it's not about whether we trusted, but that God and his righteousness through his son was placed in our account. So now he doesn't see us anymore. He sees Jesus. Isn't that beautiful to know that he sees that? And now we can be confident in the test and not be controlled by fear. He even goes on to say, and Paul says it too in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. He says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him righteous. Meaning the argument was about the law. Whether the Jews can keep the perfect law and still gain a standing of righteousness before God. But it was impossible because he said God's righteousness is a credit to your account. It has nothing to do with you. But our confidence, we must remain. We must endure. We must remain in the fact that God has given us that confidence. And that righteousness. Third, we need to be conscious of our calling, which leads to God's confirmation. We need to be conscious of our calling, which leads to God's confirmation. Now, I took the word conscious because I kind of added it in there to say that in our walk, just as we see this, because we have to be aware and mindful. During the test, we have to always be mindful and aware that who are we? Why are we here? Who saved us through this? See, in this very storyline in verse 15, it says, And the angel of the Lord, we believe again a Christophany, pre-incarnate Christ, called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And he said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. By myself. It's an unconditional covenant. It's a covenant keeping, a loyal love, meaning God, it's on him. It's, it's not about a condition that we have to keep. Ultimately, it's on him. God's saying, I swear from my own name because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. There goes the third time. Chapter 22, verse 2, verse 12, and now we see it in 16, that he withheld his only son. And then he goes on to say, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring. Again, this promise, as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of the enemies. Meaning God says, I got you. I will see to it. I will be Jehovah Jireh. And I got this. I will protect you. I will purify you. And I will lift you up. I'll get you to the next level. But you just got to trust me. And here he goes on to say this in verse 18. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. See, that's what it comes down to, obedience. He called on him in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. He talked about obedience. He said, I will bless you. You'll be a people, land, and nation, the Abrahamic covenant. And he goes on to say, that's why. That's to be conscious of the calling. You and I, we are called to Christ. He's called us out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom light of his son. We carry and bear the name of Jesus. We have to be conscious of that. We have to be alert. We have to be mindful. We have to be careful in everything we do. We have to be above reproach because people are watching us. But even during the test, that's the place where the challenge comes. Are you for me or against me? God's saying, I'm for you. Will you be for me? And he's saying, you, we have to say, yes, I will. We've got to stand knowing when we're conscious of the calling we have. Then it's confirmed to us that we have a purpose here in life. See, the test is necessary. If you're a teacher out there, you know that you've got to give out tests to determine where your students are at. Well, God needs to test us. How come when it comes to testing in our faith, we don't want it? How come when it comes to testing in our faith, we push back on God and saying, I don't need to be tested. I got it, Lord. 
God will continually test us because he wants to show us where we're at to confirm that we are in Christ. We will fail the test at times. But thank the Lord for confession of sin. (laughs) Thank the Lord for his mercy and his grace. Thank the Lord for many chances because he gets us through it. That's why he goes on in verse 19. It says, so Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. How interesting it is that in verse 5, he said, we'll be back. And he's back. I'll be back. And he's back. And he's back. And he's strong. And he's gotten to the next level. He, gave, he just rised up. Because this is what he did. The Lord gave him. And he rose up. And God gave him a place where he rose up to the next level. And he says, for when, even Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. That's the beauty. He was confirmed. Even the author of Hebrews sees that. See, sometimes we, we don't fully understand. See, part of our calling is to be prepared for tests. You know, we can't be afraid to make mistakes. I know when I used to take tests, I was just worried about going for that hundred, but always falling short. But when I made mistakes, I'd beat myself up for the little mistakes, but I never re- truly celebrated maybe an A or a B. Sometimes we focus so much on our mistakes that maybe God has to allow us to go through mistakes so that we can get to that place of commitment. So God has to continue to give us tests. So I don't know about you, but I think this time in our lives in the last 10 weeks has been a test. I was sharing with someone just earlier this morning that I don't want to see us just come out of this just to get back and around people. I want us to learn from this so that we can say, God, what are you teaching me through these 10 weeks or so? What is it that I need to learn? Lord, if, if I need to be more committed, then test me so I can be more committed. I want to be on fire. I want to share Christ with someone else. I want to make it a commitment in my life. I want to make a commitment to get to the next level. I want to rise up. And I'll tell you, to rise up to the next level, God's going to have to test us. See, I I wrote this statement here. It says, God will prepare you for the next test. He's taking you through this test because he's preparing you for the next one because preparation is necessary for progress. So maybe you're standing at the crossroads right now and you're wondering after all of this that we've gone through in the last 10 weeks, where's the decision next in your life? It has nothing to do with getting back to reentry. It has all to do with your faith. It has all to do with your walk with God. It has all to do with you being committed and saying, Lord, here I am. I want to challenge you as the next couple of weeks come and we are going to go to reentry. I don't think that's the end all be all. I think we have something else ahead of us. And I want to encourage you, where is that test you have to take still? God will prepare you. He's got a purpose for it. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to gain confidence. And then you'll be confirmed of the calling that you have in your life. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe there's that test you got to take this week. Don't avoid the test. Take the test. You'll pass it because you're going to trust in the Lord. You're going to obey him. You're going to rely on him. I want to encourage you now. Let me pray for you. 
And after I pray, I'm just going to make a few comments. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for reminding us that you continue to test us because you love us, that you have a purpose, that when we are standing at the crossroads at whatever point in our lives and we have to make a decision, you will test us to get us to the next level. We've got to say, yes, I will, Lord, I'll follow you. Just like Abraham, when he was willing to give up his own son, his one and only son whom he loved, he was willing to do that, and he trusted you that you would still carry the seed, even if you were to kill Isaac on that altar and allow him to die, you would even raise him up. Even the author of Hebrews indicated that. Well, Lord, thank you for that faith. Thank you for that confidence. Thank you for that the confirmation in his heart that he was willing to follow you no matter what. How about us, Lord? Where's the test in our lives that we have to be confirmed that we're willing to follow you no matter what? Lord, I pray that today we'll take that step. The next level testing of progressing forward for your kingdom's sake. Lord, we love you. We surrender our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Dennis has mentioned, uh, there will be an announcement on Wednesday. I want to encourage you to view in. Uh, really important. I know that you've probably said that, oh, well, you know, Pastor Bruno, you've been sharing FB Lives. So we're actually going to put a, uh, a recorded uh, just uh, filming and just to make sure that it's accurate. We have an important decision to make. We're going to share it with you on Wednesday. I want to encourage you to make sure that you, you know, tune in for that. And just be encouraged this week. We have some song and prayers this week, a couple of them, three of them. I want to encourage you to just be watching out for your emails this week. God bless you. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.